What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Jake Crane of Crane & Company is going to join us to talk about the upcoming SEC season. We'll get his thoughts on transfers and adjusting to playing immediately on a new team in a new conference, as we're seeing across the SEC. Also, we'll go around the conference with tidbits around fall camp from Tennessee, Auburn, Arkansas, A&M, LSU, and more, and a fight between Mark Stoops and John Calipari at Kentucky. Locked on SEC starts now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Lockdown SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Lockdown SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Lockdown SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start over at Kentucky as John Calipari was quoted in an article in The Athletic yesterday as he has his team over in the Bahamas playing some uh, off-season games against different teams. And Calipari said, look, this is a basketball school. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. No disrespect to our football team. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls. But this is a basketball school. This was all behind John Calipari Uh, pointing out that he wants a practice facility at UK as soon as possible. Well, Mark Stoops, head football coach, did not take kindly to those comments, quickly responding on Twitter, basketball school? I thought we competed in the SEC. And added the hashtag, four straight postseason wins. Now look, is Kentucky traditionally a basketball school? Yes, they are. But you cannot deny what Mark Stoops has done in recent years at uh, Kentucky. A 10-win season last year, had a 10-win season in 2018. Meanwhile, Jalen Calipari's had a lot of early postseason exits as of late, including most recently a loss to St. Peter's in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, if anything, John Calipari probably going to come back and issue an apology to Mark Stoops. But uh, nonetheless, a little bit of a turmoil there between the basketball coach and football coach at Kentucky. I get it. Calipari wants his practice facility, but you don't need to throw the football team under the bus in order to get your way. So uh, we'll keep track of this feud over at Kentucky and see what happens between Calipari and Mark Stoops. In fall camp news over at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher meeting with the media and he was asked for an update on Several players, including his quarterbacks, Jimbo Fisher talking about Max Johnson, who's asked if the play calling changes because he's left-handed. Jimbo said no, it's just based on what he can do, what he likes well, what he can do well within the confines of our offense. On Connor Weigman, their true freshman, he said he's still learning the process of the offense and it's going well. He said he's picked it up very well for a young freshman, very intelligent guy, very instinctive guy, very encouraging in his development so far. Now, As for Haynes King, the guy who won the starting job a year ago at Texas A&M, still coming back from his injury, Jimbo Fisher said Haynes King is back, pain-free, throwing and running the football. and said his strength is also back in terms of everything related to his injury. Previously said that all three quarterbacks are competitive. 
but also help one another, and that number of quarterbacks in a competition is somewhat rare these days. So we'll see what happens throughout fall camp, who they name the starter at Texas A&M. I've been thinking it was going to be Haynes King again since he won the job a year ago, but some people saying maybe Max Johnson going to be the guy to transfer in from LSU. Over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman and his crew getting ready to raise expectations once again in Arkansas. Big reason for that, their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. Sam Pittman on Greg McElroy's podcast this week asked about K.J. Jefferson. He said, I think you could tell leadership by the way others look at him and by the way other others treat the guy. Our team knows K.J. is the guy. I haven't had to say one time, uh, stay away from the quarterback. They're way away from him. He's comfortable leading the lead, uh, being the leader of the football team and probably more important than anything, the team's comfortable with him and they show him the respect that certainly he has earned. At the end of the day, Pittman said Jefferson is the same person he's always been. The success he's had has not gone in his head, hasn't changed him one bit. He understands the way he got it was hard work and that's in the film room, off the field, and on the field. So we'll see if K.J. Jefferson can take that next step in his game this year. Over at Georgia, the uh, offense at Georgia looking to build off of what they did a year ago where they scored 39 points per game, second in the conference. Offensive coordinator Todd Munkin talking with the media this week. Uh, he said, uh, you know, he pushed back on ass- assertions that his offensive philosophy is at odds with that of Kirby Smart when it comes to opening things up. He said, look, I'm paid to score. I'm not paid to win. That's part of that, to score points. But I'm also paid to be responsible to winning. And there's a big part of that where they think that Kirby dictates what we do on offense. No, Kirby does not dictate uh, what we call. He dictates that we be smart. He dictates that we be explosive and that we utilize our personnel and do everything in our power to win games for the University of Georgia. Munkin, who's known for his air raid offenses, discussed the importance of a strong run game. He said you can't control the game if you can't run the ball comfortably. You can have a bunch of stats that make it look better, make you feel better. But if you can't run the ball comfortably, you can't win the game. And that's from a guy who wants to throw it. So we will see if maybe Georgia opens it up a little bit more through the air this year with Stetson Bennett back, more comfortable, more weapons with him, with Eric Gilbert now in the fold. But it's still Georgia. They're going to run the football a lot. So get ready for that. Over at Auburn, Zach Etheridge has been around Auburn a long time. He was on the Paul Feinbaum show on Thursday and talked about the offseason turmoil with Brian Harson. He said, look, Coach Harson." Always had conviction of what he believed in. Anytime you go through adversity, it's always tough. Here at Auburn, we preach family. One thing about it from inside this building and this team and the staff, we're behind Coach Harson 100%. What he wants to do for this program, and we knew things that were coming out wasn't always the case. It was outside noise. But he said inside this facility, inside the team, guys knew what type of man he is. So you don't wish that type of noise on anyone. It was wrong. It wasn't right. But at the same time, you're going through adversity, either going to sink or fail or get back up to the top. He said, I think Coach Harson put all this behind him, knowing he had people behind him, a focus on the ultimate goals, getting what the program where he wants it to be. So let's see what Brian Harson does this year. He takes that next step in year two at Auburn. Meanwhile, over at Tennessee, Brew McCoy, former five-star recruit that signed with USC in the 2019 class, still trying to get himself eligible over there at Tennessee. Wide receivers coach Kelsey Pope says he likes what he's seen so far out of Brew McCoy. He said he's been a pleasant surprise. Been really good for a guy who hasn't played football in a season. He's obviously had to build stamina back up. When you talk about just a physical specimen, some things you can coach, some things you can't. That guy's got a lot of things 
that you just can't coach. Pope also mentioned the need to polish up the little things with Brew McCoy, so we'll see what happens with him in the coming weeks getting eligible. Over at Missouri, of course, they just named their starting quarterback in Brady Cook, but uh, Eli Drinkwitz said uh, they're having really good competition as they work through their depth chart. He said there are people that are uncomfortable right now on our depth chart, guys that have been on the ones for two years, and now they're running with the twos. It's not personal. It's a meritocracy, man. You get what you earn. Just because you've been here doesn't mean you get to just roll in there. you got to produce. you got to perform. And in the past, maybe we didn't have enough depth to get that done. Now we do. So Eli Drinkwitz making it competitive there over at Mizzou. Meanwhile, over at LSU, a little bit of a quarterback injury this week. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer suffered a minor, minor ankle injury during practice this week. Poor new Brody Miller, LSU insider, said he isn't expected to miss very much time. But there is a quarterback battle going on. And latest reports are that Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer, is running with the first team at LSU, meaning six-year senior Miles Brennan. Once again, on the outside looking in, we'll see uh, what happens with the LSU quarterback battle in the next couple of weeks. But uh, Jaden Daniels, as of now, if LSU had to play a game today, it looks like he would be the starter. So we'll continue to track that. Meanwhile, a member of LSU's defensive backs entering the transfer portal, Jordan Tolls, former four-star recruit out of the Baltimore area, signed with the Tigers in 2019. He has entered the portal. And one quick note in recruiting, Alabama picking up a big-time offensive line prospect in Miles McVay, number 19 offensive tackle in the country. Came into Thursday with a whole list of schools. He became the 19th commitment for the class of uh, 2023 for Nick Saban, the fourth offensive lineman in this group. Good Lord, four offensive linemen already in Alabama's recruiting class. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Thanks again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Jake Crane of Crane & Company. That is coming your way right after I tell you about BetOnline.net, still the fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league out there. Bet online. They continue to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have got you covered. I always tell you, just put it into your cell phone. Make it a bookmark. It should be the first place you go to in the morning to get all the news that you need before you make any betting decisions. Head on over to Bet Online today. You can use your mobile device. Learn about all the action happening. And, of course, as college football gets ever so closer, they're going to have tons of information there. They've got NFL preseason lines. If you're into betting on the NFL preseason, they've got the lines up for you there at betonline.net. It is BetOnline, and it is where the game starts. Run along here from SEC Media Days and always fun. When we catch up with this guy, uh, you know him, of course, years with the J-Boy Show, now Crane and Company taking the uh, sports world by storm. Jake Crane sitting down with us. Jake, what's up, man? Chris, first off, that beat was hot. <laughs> uh, you got me going that right is, there, man. That is part of the royalty-free beats, my friend. Oh, well, I tell you, I mean, somebody cracked the code on that one. I mean, that was like a shot of espresso. I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know if it's, you know, I'm about to face Papa Doc in a rap battle or we're going to talk about some football. I'm ready for either one, man. I didn't go to Cranbrook. Let's uh, let's jump into it, Jake. Uh, just uh, for you, the, the biggest storyline heading into this season of the SEC. You know, I think it's the depth. Uh, you know, I, we had Mike Leach on yesterday, and, and the SEC, I, I think there is a common mis- 
common misconception uh, that the SEC is so top-heavy, right? That it's like a one-off. Well, you just got to beat Bama. You just got to beat Georgia. A lot of these coaches wish it was that easy. It's a whole heck of a lot easier for a one-off. It's the gauntlet. And this is what Texas and Oklahoma is going to find out. It's not the Bamas and the Georgias. That's hard enough. It's the Kentuckys. It's the LSUs. It's the Mississippi States. There is no game off outside of Vanderbilt, which is, you know, a southern term for bye week. But when, <laughs> when, you, when you look at the at, – at the teams underneath Alabama and Georgia, because it's going to be Bama and Georgia. Right. That's who's going to play in this championship game. The question is, who takes that next step to say, you know what, we're knocking at the door. We haven't knocked it down yet, but we're knocking it. Whether it's Tennessee, whether it's Arkansas, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's LSU with structure, which to me is abs- the scariest team in the SEC in the next three to five years. I said that the other day. I'll continue to say that. Yeah, I was going to ask your, your quick thoughts on the two new coaches in uh, Billy Napier at Florida and Brian Kelly yeah. at LSU. Who has a better record this year? Oh, BK does. Uh, BK's working with a lot more. You know, it's it's funny. LSU is is always so talented. I mean, you know, I always say they won a national championship with Les Miles, who I don't know if he ate more of the grass or smoked more of it. And then you got Ed O, who uh, I don't know if he went to half the practices. You know, you got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Just Jefferson and Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire and, and those guys. But when I look at LSU... LSU with structure, because what, why was LSU and Saban such a good fit? And I'm not saying Brian Kelly's Nick Saban, but Saban brought structure to unbelievable athletes in a state that is so talent-rich, and there's no, there's no competition. Yeah. LSU has a monopoly over the state of Louisiana, and they'll go into Florida, and they'll go into Georgia and grab kids. It's a national brand, but LSU has a monopoly in one of the most talent-rich states. I recruited the Panhandle. I recruited Louisiana. I recruited New Orleans. I've been to every parish and ward you can imagine to find kids, and, and Louisiana is just an unbelievable place, and they all love LSU. No kid's taking, going to La Tech over LSU. Nobody's going to Southeast Louisiana over LSU. That's no disrespect. That's just how it is. I, th- I think they'll tell you that. So, Chris, I think Brian Kelly and LSU this year, I am worried about the quarterback position. Uh, I have LSU, I believe, going 8-4, and four, going 4-4 four and four in the SEC. Uh, I actually have three teams going 4-4 four and four in the SEC West. I think it's going to be a logjam over there. But for the next three to five years... Brian Kelly is the stepdad that you never wanted, but you always needed. He comes in there and tells you to clean your room, have better friends, do your homework. Oh, you, you want to cause problems? I'll take the door off the hinges. You have no privacy. And you, you don't understand it, and you're mad at him, and you don't get into your walking across the stage, graduating cum laude from Harvard with a nice cushy job at, at Goldman Sachs making 200 a year as a 25-year-old. And you say, you know what, Dad? Thanks. I want to ask you this because you're a guy, you're a former coach, and you know all about uh, scheme. And you know, certain guys fit certain schemes, certain guys don't. It's interesting to me with what's happened with the transfer portal. Yeah, you look at LSU; they've added a lot of new guys to that secondary, guys with big accolades. Ole Miss has added a ton from the transfer portal. A lot of schools from the SEC have dipped into it. I just wonder when I look at a guy and go, okay, he was second team All Sun Belt, or he was second team All Big Twelve. That's great. That doesn't mean you're, you're, the, tr- the success is going to translate in this system, in the SEC. It, what's your thoughts on that, on, like, guys coming in? I mean, obviously, you wouldn't recruit them if you didn't think they fit their, your system. But, yeah. like, it's, there's an adjustment phase there. Yeah, well, we always want to recruit to your system and what you're doing, not just schematically, but off the field, too. You want somebody that can fit uh, your wide receiver. You want to be able to run multiple routes and, and be able to break it off at the top and be a threat vertically, but he also has to be able to get in that locker room and understand, hey, you're part of our culture now. This is how we do things. We have accountability and this, that, and the other. But anytime you're going up a level, 
and, and college to the NFL. But like, it's hard to project high school to college. That's why projecting is so hard, and it's an inexact science, is you have to see it on the field. Uh, now, when you have somebody, you know, like a Jordan Addison, right, going from, like, Pitt to USC, that's a little bit different. But when you have somebody like Jaden Daniels, who's coming from the Pac-12 to the SEC, well, the Pac-12 now, the way it's looking. <laughs> It's not like the defenders get smaller and slower. Right. So I have to see it on the field, and, and they'll, they'll know in practice. And that's why, again, you know, if you make practice more important than the game, the game's a whole heck of a lot easier. But until those lights are on, until it's game time, until you're having to make that throw in front of 100,000 people, because some guys are different when those lights – think about environments. Yeah. A little bit different playing, and I know Arizona State's a party school and all that stuff, but it's a little bit different playing in Arizona State and playing, you know, Washington State at home than having to play Bama and Death Valley right. or going to uh, Kyle Field, places like that. So it's an amalgamation of things. That's the biggest word I know I have to use today. I haven't used it all week. <laughs> it's an amalgamation of all those things coming together, and you don't know until you know. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, like, we've seen a lot of guys transfer from SEC to SEC. So, yeah. like, I don't think – Like, Eli Ricks, like, yeah, you know what you're he's, getting. He's fine. Zach Calzada played at A&M. He's you know going to Auburn. Getting. If he's the guy, like, he's not going to be overwhelmed. But I look at a guy like Makai Garner who goes yep. from – ULL, who was great in the Sun Belt, but now he's coming to LSU, the big lights, the bright lights. Suddenly you're defending Bama receivers and Georgia receivers and all that. I just wonder, like, will it translate immediately? Well, you know, I, I think, Chris, yeah, when, when I look at it, it's a little bit different at the skill positions than it is up front. Like, like that stuff worries me more up front because there's a lot of guys running around in the Sun Belt at receiver that can come to the SEC and it'll translate. Right. There's a lot of guys in the WAC playing running back that can come in the SEC and it'll translate. The ones that fascinate me are the defensive ends or the defensive tackles or the Mike linebackers or the guards because now you are consistently going up against NFL players Every week, and typically they're huge. And if they're not huge, it's even scarier because that means they're so good they still have to play in their undersized. Right. You know, you look at a guy like Aaron Donald, who's not massive, who's not humongous, but he's unbelievably good at what he does. So, I think more of, about it up front than I do in in the secondary. Now, so like Osiris Torrance goes yeah, from Louisiana to Florida. That's exactly. Do you right. think he'll have a transitional phase? Th there will be a transitional phase, yeah. but but I will say this to your point. I'm not saying that it's just easy to translate wide receiver a DB from the Sun Belt to the SEC. But I think it's easier than it is up front. Now, when you have guys that are consistently running 4-3 and consistently running 4-4, and you go from being maybe a guy that was never challenged because they didn't want to throw at you in the Sun Belt to now the guy they want to pick on because they don't know if you're a first-round corner like the other guy is, uh, I think that kind of changes the game a little bit too. So it's fascinating to me to see this transfer portal, but I do not like the interconference transferring. I, I, I think that should be against the rule. The fact that Eli Ricks can go from LSU to Alabama without sitting out is absolutely ridiculous. My yeah, opinion. I guess the only positive is the new coaching staff, but what if it, there was a new coaching staff? He's got his LSU playbook. He can just bring it over to Alabama Look, it, and go, yeah, hey, it's, here's it's what I have. It's not like they were like, okay, well, the coach left. So you, <laughs> and that's, it's funny you say that because I laid out, God, probably a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, my, what my transfer portal rules would be. You get the one free, free transfer. And if you take the one free transfer and you go to another place and that head coach leaves, mm -hmm. then you should be able to transfer. Right. I feel like if the head coach leaves, not, not the D.C., not the wide receivers coach, if the head coach leaves, you should be able to transfer wherever. But if that head coach does not leave 
and you're going to use that one-time transfer rule. I do not like being able to go from LSU to Bama and not sit out a year. To me, we have got to get away from that because you want to talk about tampering? It opens up, I mean, you think Pat Narduzzi was mad at Lincoln Riley? They're in two different conferences. <laughs> Imagine all of a sudden a Tennessee kid being taken by a Georgia kid. Yeah, uh, It's just, I mean, Alabama goes and gets the best offensive lineman that Vanderbilt has. Right. If I'm Clark Lee, I'm like, man, i got to recruit my own team against Bama? <laughs> like, I'm not going to win that. I don't care how good we are in the debate club. Yep. <laughs> He is Jay Craig. A couple quick thoughts. Uh, is it is it Alabama, Georgia, and Atlanta once again? I mean, yes. It's hard like, to. I want to come on here and, and you know, I'm not one of these people that's like, you know what? South Carolina, give me, some, you know. <laughs> but it, it is what it is. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be Alabama and it's going to be Georgia, and they're probably both going to be undefeated in the SEC. Now, I think Alabama's going to beat Georgia because I think Alabama may have the best team they've had in the last three to five years, which are. 2020 was obviously pretty special, but total, as a total team, the most talented offense, defense, and special teams that they've had in the last three to five years. I think they play Ohio State in the natty, because I think Ohio State's 13 flavors of pissed about what happened last year. <laughs> uh, I think they beat them, but C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman. So I'm just going to say every prediction I have. He is Jake Crane, having great success with Crane and company. Talk a little bit about uh, the show and how much fun you're having doing it. Man, it's been unbelievable. You know, we were with Colin Cowherd, and uh, which was awesome. Colin was great, and we were renegotiating our contract. And then Shapiro reached out to me and was like, "Hey, man, we want to do a national sports show. Would you guys be down?" And it's just been fantastic. You know, I love living in Nashville. We've been so blessed. Uh, the people we work with, whether it's the crew, uh, whether it's Jeremy Boring, whether it's Caleb Robinson, whether it's Candace, all these people that they've been incredibly welcoming, and it's it's fun because we're kind of different than everybody at the Daily Wire. Like, we rarely talk. We only talk anything political when it intersects, you know, like NIL and stuff like that. So uh, we're not out here trying to tell you what bill to vote on. Again, you know, I'm a coach, a player and a coach. Blaine's a player and a coach, and Cone played quarterback at Michigan. So uh, we just love talking sports. We talk a little bit of everything. And, you know, we're not sitting here trying to tell you how terrible America is or any of that stuff. We're just talking sports and having a good time. Jake Crane, always good to see you, man. Congrats on all your success. <laughs> I'm just trying to get like you, dog. I appreciate you uh, having me on as usual, man. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Again, my thanks to Jake Crane from Crane and Company, and thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Now you go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts like Locked on LSU, Locked on Bama, Locked on Bulldogs. We've got you covered just about every school you want covered. We've got it for you in the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. You guys have a great weekend. We'll be back next week with some more great guests counting you down to the start of an SEC football season, which is right around the corner. Remember to subscribe. Check us out on YouTube as well. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.